Welcome to Beyond the Crucible. I'm Warwick Fairfax, the founder of Beyond the Crucible. I think it's because they said things that were surprising, that in a sense didn't make sense. It was counterintuitive. And sometimes the greatest wisdom is when somebody says something that it's like, well, that makes no sense. But yet what they said was so, as we'll unpack, what they said was so profound that it greatly enriched my life. It, great, it sort of evolved my thinking in terms of getting over my own crucible. They said things that it's like, well, that makes no sense. But yet it really did. probably won't find many podcasts that celebrate people saying things that don't make sense. But you've clicked on one today. Get comfortable and listen as we commemorate our 200th episode by exploring the wisdom and hope that we can all learn from things that don't make sense. Hi, I'm Gary Schneeberger, co-host of the show. This week, Warwick and I revisit three moments from our 199 episodes that came before that moved him and have shaped the kind of podcast we've developed into. You'll discover how crucibles can often be vastly different in details, but so similar to be almost identical in emotion. The power of being able to find gratitude in your traumas and tragedies, and how mindset and perseverance can be your superpowers in turning what's been broken into breakthrough. The basic truth we aim to unpack here, as Warwick says, we can learn something not just from everybody's crucible, but from how they navigate their journey back. that we're celebrating today, folks, uh, who are listening and watching us, is that this is the 200th episode of Beyond the Crucible. That's right, you heard me correctly, 200. We've done 200 episodes of this show. What we're doing here for this special occasion is we're going to explore three, three guests whose description of their Crucible experiences added fresh depth and added to Warwick's vision for Beyond the Crucible, not just the podcast, but for the entire brand. The lesson here is that visions expand over time. So keep that in your mind as we have this conversation. You'll hear how Warwick's vision expanded over time. Your vision can expand over time as well. We never stop learning about how to bounce forward from setback and failure as we dig in to better understand the lessons our own crucibles have taught us and the lessons the crucibles of others have taught us. So I'm going to set the stage here with a little bit of, um, of trivia, I suppose, about Beyond the Crucible, Warwick. Um, of the 200 episodes we have broadcast, 190 have been original. By that, I mean there have been 10 best ofs around the holidays, but 190 of these 200 episodes have been original. That equates to, and I have not told you this number until right now, okay? <laughs> that equates to 10,118 minutes of content that spotlights the stories of men and women who have refused to let their worst day define them. I mean, that is something, isn't it? <laughs> It is. I mean, that's a lot of minutes. That's a lot of stories. And to put it into even better context, if you were to push play on Monday of our first episode, they wouldn't all end 
until Sunday night, just before. It, it, there's literally a week's worth of content, twenty four seven that we you, that we have created here at Beyond the Crucible. That was amazing to me. So that means people can like binge watch or listen to Beyond the Crucible. There you go. There you, you go. Know? There you go. Don't eat. Don't sleep. Or maybe eat. You know. But uh, you know, just uh, watch them all back to back. Yeah, yeah. Please do start as soon as this one's over, um, and, and then just keep going. Go back to episode one ninety nine, and you can just keep cycling through. Do it in, in reverse. It'll, it'll it'll help enhance the experience for you. Um, over these two hundred episodes, Warwick, we've interviewed one hundred and eighteen guests, or maybe it's a better way to say that one hundred and eighteen guests have been interviewed because two of those guests were you who was interviewed by a member of the team to tell your story again, reintroduce it, and me, who was, inter who was interviewed by you. So we've been among those 118 guests that have been interviewed on this show. And here's the last little bit of trivia I have for you here. We've been at this since November 5th, 2019. So we're celebrating our fifth anniversary later this year. And before we started this recording, folks, Warwick said, that's a nice jacket you have on. Here's why I'm wearing this nice jacket. <laughs> on November 5th, 2019, this is the outfit I wore. <laughs> it's the exact same outfit I'm wearing right now, down to my Green Bay Packers ring, down to my lapel pin and my pocket square. So I have dressed for the occasion because it's a special occasion. The first question I have for you is, what led you to think about starting a podcast? What led you to believe that you would enjoy doing a podcast? And more importantly, that listeners and viewers would discover insights and action steps into overcoming their own crucibles from this podcast. How did it all start? Yeah. You know, I'd been on other people's uh, podcasts and I'd enjoyed telling my story and sort of engaging a conversation as we were thinking about how do we broaden the message of uh, Beyond the Crucible, Beyond uh, I guess my book, which wasn't published yet, but we were in the process of trying to get it published and blogs, social media, you know, how do we broaden the message beyond the core of my story to the message of others who may have gone through crucibles? And so, uh, you know, you and I began discussing, well, what about the concept of a podcast? And as a, you know, certified International Coach Federation executive coach, I've always enjoyed listening asking questions, right. reflecting. Yep. So I felt like, okay, I'm new to podcasts, but the idea of interviewing people, learning from them, questioning, I felt like that's something I could do and uh, I guess as importantly, something that I would enjoy. So yeah, I mean, just the concept of learning from people's stories, uh, listening to them, be hopefully be able to uh, give some insights and reflections and maybe even some wisdom to listeners of the podcast. Um, that's kind of how it all started, you know, being on a few other people's podcasts and thinking, maybe we could do this. Maybe we could share other stories, other crucibles and how people got beyond their worst day. I think you can remove the maybe from that sentence. I think we can do this. <laughs> I think I, I think we can cover this. And uh, Another interesting statistic that I pulled, Warwick, um, for this episode is, is this, that reaching 200 episodes is really a major accomplishment. According to Amplify and Pod News, only 44% of podcasts have fewer than three episodes. 
44% of all the podcasts out there have fewer than three episodes. We're celebrating mm. 200 right now. Wow. 90% of podcasts don't get past episode three, and 90% of those episodes don't get to past episode 20. Most podcasts don't get to 10 episodes. But here's the interesting thing that I did to, to take it out of podcast for a second and bring it into another kind of media. Because I know you like some classic television, so do I. Here, <laughs> here are some classic television shows, Warwick, that everybody knows that never made it to 200 episodes. Okay? Seinfeld never made it to 200 episodes. The Mary Tyler Moore Show never made it to 200 episodes. Huh. L.A. Law, Hill Street Blues, The West Wing. We have produced more episodes than all of those classic TV shows that are that are hailed uh, by by TV critics. So what we've accomplished, what you've accomplished, what what your vision has accomplished is truly something um, uh, remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it really uh, it really is. As I reflect on kind of what we've been uh, what we've been through on the podcast, you know, I really feel uh, you know blessed um, to have interviewed just. Um, so many different people and have learned so much. You know, it's amazing how we've interviewed such a diverse group of people in terms of uh, age, gender, race, background, country, although we've right. interviewed quite a few Australians, only know. <laughs> yes, indeed we have. <laughs> <laughs> but what's remarkable is despite the diversity of the people and crucial experiences, what's amazed me is the path back and... Um, I guess the emotions are really very, uh, are very similar. As I reflect on just this milestone of 200 episodes, I feel blessed to have had the people we've had on and just, I felt like I've learned so much from them. It's been uh, truly uh, a blessing and it's enriched myself, my life, my soul. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's been a wonderful experience. Yeah. And it's, and it has been, we have, we just recently went through the the, the, re, the reactions of people who've been guests on the show. Many said, this is the best interview I've ever done. I mean, you've been blessed. I've been blessed. The guests have been blessed. And and I believe, and we've heard from, from, from listeners too, who have also been blessed uh, by that. So there's a lot of blessing going around. And that's what we're going to focus on here a little bit um, in this episode. We're going back to three episodes were the guests we interviewed that gave us the title for this episode, Moments That Moved Warwick and Shaped Beyond the Crucible. So we're going to talk about three moments. There are more than three, trust me, folks. But there were three moments that really sort of stood out to us as we looked at how do we commemorate 200 episodes. I don't think you realize this, but something happened as we were preparing for this episode. We watched three clips that we're going to show everybody in this episode from those three guests that, that moved you and shaped your perspective on moving beyond your crucible. And after seeing each one again, you said the same phrase each time when reflecting on what the guests said. I took a note. You said every time we played those clips that what you heard, what they said to you, blew you away. And folks, if you've listened to any of these episodes, any of these 199 episodes before this, you know Warwick does not talk in superlatives often. Um, I don't know I've ever heard him say that blew me away, certainly not three times in a row on three different clips with three different crucibles and three different sets of emotions. So why do you think, uh, and I haven't prepared, we haven't prepared for this question, but why do you think that phrase popped in your head when you reviewed these three in particular. You don't have to get into specifics about the episodes, but what about what we're about to go talk about 
quote unquote, blew you away? Gary, I think it's because they said things that were surprising, that in a sense, didn't make sense. Mm. It was counterintuitive. And sometimes the greatest wisdom is when somebody says something that it's like, well, that makes no sense. But yet right. what they said was so, as we'll unpack, what they said was so profound that it greatly enriched my life. It, great, it sort of evolved my thinking in terms of getting my own, getting over my own crucible. Um, it, it just, they said things that it's like, well, that makes no sense. But yet right. it really did. And let's get into those, those examples, Warwick. The first one, episode five. We were newbies at this when we did the uh, episode five. Our first guests who um, there was a moment that really moved you and changed kind of your vision, your perspective on, on bouncing back from your crucibles was David and Mike Charbonnet. Um, uh, just to quickly revisit, David and, and Mike were father and son ex-Navy SEALs. David, the son, was on his way um, to not just following in his father's footsteps, but from his father's perspective, surpassing his father's footsteps as a Navy SEAL. As Warwick says often, Navy SEALs don't say that about if he didn't, even though he was his son, if he didn't think he'd be one of the best Navy SEALs, he wouldn't have said it. But that's what he said about his son, David. But David was injured in a parachuting accident while training and was paralyzed. He initially was depressed and thought his chance at a life of significance was over. But as he worked on his recovery at VIP Neural Rehabilitation Center in San Diego, he began to launch a new vision. The clinic was dedicated to helping disabled military veterans, children, and others who've suffered brain or spinal cord injuries and other debilitating conditions like stroke, multiple sclerosis, and cerebral palsy. The staff and medical team at the center so helped David bring joy back into his life that when they needed someone to run the center, they begged David to take over as president of it, and he accepted the offer. But there was a moment as we were talking about all that where the Charbonnet said something that, to use your words, blew you away. Let's play that clip. We were at some gathering or something, and one of my friends who was in SEAL team was over, and he was telling a story. David was sitting close by, and he was talking about how he got hurt doing something. He says, so it was the worst pain ever. And he looked over and he saw David, and he said, uh, oh, sorry, David. And uh, David said something. I mean, this has been common wisdom from David. He said, that's okay, Ken. Everybody's pain is the worst pain ever. And just to go with what you were just sharing is like, you know, yeah, so maybe you don't have a broken back or maybe your child doesn't, but your pain is the worst pain ever. It's what God has decided you can handle and you need right now. So just to highlight the truth of what you just said right. shared. That's that's very good. Yeah, that's well said. Very well said. I, I definitely I still tell people that, you know, because People always feel like, oh, they can't talk about what they're going through to me because, you know, they're like, oh, you had it way worse. <laughs> but uh, everybody's got the struggle they're going through and it, it's devastating to them, you know, even if it's comparatively different. Everybody's got a struggle they're dealing with. That's what we just heard from a man humbly saying that who's going through a struggle that robbed him of his mobility in some ways of his independence. That moment impacted you so much, Warwick, that it's the one anecdote I think you've told on this show more than any other one. What we just heard from Mike and David Charbonnet. 
Why did it move you so much? You know, David's message essentially in that podcast and that clip is your worst day is your worst day. It's not a competition. As we heard in that clip, you know, the dad, Mike Charbonnet, was chatting to somebody and, and you know, the guy said, boy, this is the worst pain ever. And it's like, oh, wait, oh, I'm sorry. You know, boy, your, your son who was right there, you know, uh, as they were chatting, was like, oh, you know, uh, of course, my pain is nothing compared to your pain and I'm sorry. And he, this other guy just started being very, um, you know, apologetic. And just the words that David uttered, you know, everybody's pain is the worst pain ever. It's just that that notion that, um, you know, everybody's got a struggle they're going through and it's devastating, you know, uh, but it's just that notion that of, of empathy that he had. Because I said elsewhere in that podcast, gosh, David, what I've been through, you know, losing 150-year-old right. yep. year old $2.25 billion business, it's nothing compared to what you've been through and being paralyzed in this, you know, uh, Navy SEAL training accident. And just that grace to say, no, no, it's not a competition. Your worst day is your worst day. And I'd never thought about it that way before. And there are others that have maybe echoed that in a way, but um, that moved me a lot because I came in there feeling a bit embarrassed about mm. that kind of comparison. But um, yeah, some it's so often we think, oh, well, there's always somebody that has it worse than me. You know, there's always somebody that's more physically challenged or, you know, a, a worse marriage breakup or, I don't know, losing family members. It, it always seems like somebody has it worse than us. But yeah, it sort of devalues the experience. It's like, you know, your worst day is your worst day. And you don't need to apologize for being devastated and anguished about it when you might think somebody else has it so much worse. There's nothing to apologize for. Right. Your pain is real. It's your pain. And um, it's terrible. It's just, it tears you apart. And that's real. And there's nothing to apologize for. So it's a huge lesson and a, just an incredible spirit of grace that, uh, that David had. The next question I'm going to ask you is how has that moment shaped beyond the crucible? But I'm going to answer it for you a little bit because it shaped something for me as the co-host of the show. I think that is where birthed this idea that I say often is people are talking about crucibles and usually it's you and a guest. And I'll say to the guest, or I'll speak to the listeners and viewers, I'll say, okay, folks, did you hear that? Even though Warwick's crucible and this guest crucible, no matter what it is, are on the, the details of them are completely, wholly, unbelievably different, but the emotions undergirding them are, are so much the same. And I think that for me, that moment with the Charbonnets influenced what, what I do here as part of the show as the co-host is I don't look now first at the details of a crucible i look for what's what's the the subcurrent right what's what's underneath that what are the emotions that's how it it's it's sort of changed me as part of it but how would you answer that question how do you think it shaped uh what david and mike charbonnet said how do you think that shaped beyond the crucible yeah i mean i think probably in a phrase that everybody's worst day is their worst day and you know, hopefully, gives try to give me empathy for everybody. Re, try and relate to the experience, and um, you know, everybody's crucible. It's important. It's significant, and I feel like we can learn something from not just everybody's crucible, but the way they navigated 
uh, their journey back, the way they found themselves, the way they were able to move forward, the way they're able to use their crucible to help others. There's a huge amount we can learn and yeah, whether it's a physical crucible or maybe it's just, I say just, a chief executive losing their job and maybe they still have some resources, but they've lost their identity, they've lost their position. And you right. might say, well, how could that compare with being paralyzed? You know, just some executive or just anybody losing their job. Well, because it's painful when you lose something and your identity is in there, it's just not easy. And so rather than judging, saying, what do you have to complain about? You know, you have a house, right. okay, you're not chief executive anymore. Why should I feel sorry for you? And I get that perspective, but just the sense of not judging people's pain and not judging uh, where they are. I mean, it's just hugely important to, you know, as David said so eloquently, your worst day is your worst day. We're not here to judge that. You know, we're here to empathize and come alongside, but we're not here to judge or to compare or, you know, put down. That's just not right. That's not what we do. Yeah. And, right, to, to spread the good news, as it were, of what he said. We, sp I mean, you've said that that's, I think, one of the reasons why you say it as often as you do, because you want other people to have the same experience you had of being moved by that. And I think that's, you know, you've said it often, Warwick, we're dealers in hope here at Beyond the Crucible. And that's one of the bits of hope that you offer to people when you bring up the story of the Charbonnets, for sure. Let's move on to the next episode, episode 80. Uh, Warwick indicated that uh, Stacey Kopass is Australian. I just realized um, <laughs> you you said that funny, some funny of, that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and it's funny because the the okay we'll, we'll just stop here Stacy Kopass episode eighty she broke her neck folks and her back as a young teenager diving into a shallow pool it left her a quadriplegic several dark years followed as she struggled with depression and substance abuse but as time went on. I'll shut up and I'll let her explain it in this clip. What I ended up doing then was I actually then, instead of looking back at that accident with, you know, with, with negativity, I actually looked at back at it with gratitude. Um, and I actually looked at it and I'd become grateful and I began to look for, you know, how has this changed my life in a positive way and what are the opportunities that I can have from this? Um, and, and people sort of think how the hell can ending up a quadriplegic and needing a wheelchair for the rest of your life be positive? But you know, I, I did choose to embrace the positive aspects of it. And it's not to say that I don't have frustrations. I don't have days where, you know, I get a little bit angry, where I get frustrated about the things that I can't do from having a, a day where the body's not cooperating with the, with the mind. But for the most part, then that, that, that shift has left a lot of that anger behind. And, and I think that I think once we can get past the anger, then that makes a huge difference because I think that that, that energy is not a, it, it's a it, it comes from a place of scarcity. Whereas if we start to shift into, um, you know, a perspective of gratitude and um, possibility, um, then, then you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really abundant and um, you know, open open aspect and open viewpoint and it's a place where we can we can actually look for as I said the opportunities and the possibilities and it's amazing how that opens the world up opens up the world i know that happened for you in your own crucible experience warwick and i know it happened for you in hearing her say what she just said this moment with stacy impacted you so much that it changed the way you talk about your own crucible it really opens your eyes to the truth of the phrase we often use. Your crucible didn't happen to you, it happened for you. 
Why did it move you so deeply what we just heard? I guess because when Stacy was paralyzed in that uh, you know, above ground pool accident in the suburbs of Sydney, you know, she had moments of suicidal ideation, substance abuse, but she came to view what she went through as a blessing. Now, how could being paralyzed, how could becoming a quadriplegic be a blessing? Nobody's here to say that that's good. You know, on the face of it, that's an apparent concept of saying right. that's a blessing, but she's the one saying it. That's her truth. That's her perspective. And I think elsewhere in the podcast, she sort of said as a teenager, she was very athletic and she didn't feel like she took life too seriously. Of course, I could say what teenager does, but, you know, but that was her perspective. And she would say the person that she is now wouldn't have happened without that accident. You know, she consults, she coaches, she has a huge impact. Her perspective is there was blessing in it. And it's just, um, it's just amazing. It's worth kind of reflecting on some of the things that she said. Instead of looking back at the accident with negativity, she looks back at it with gratitude. She, you know, uh, says once you get past the anger, there's an energy. You can look at it not from a perspective of scarcity, but a perspective of abundance, of gratitude and possibility. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's amazing of re reframing it. So I think one of the lessons we learned from Stacey Kopass is, Typically, we can't change the circumstances of what happened. In her right. case, I'm sure she went through all of the therapy she could, but the range of movements she has now is what it is. It's probably not going to improve at this point. So you can't always change the circumstances, but you can change the attitude that you have. And so what it did for me is, um, as I kind of look back on my own uh, crucible of losing 150-year-old, you know, 2.25 billion dollar family business, in, there's blessing in it. I'm not saying it was a blessing for the employees or family members that went right, through it. I'm right, not right. saying it was a blessing in the global sense of the word. But in terms of my own personal life, I got to move from a life of obligation to a life of what do I feel called to do? What do I feel? What life do I feel called to live? Uh, it enabled me to found Beyond the Crucible, you know, write my book, Crucible Leadership, Embrace Your Trial to Your Life of Significance, start this podcast, be active on social media, blog, speaking, uh, workshops, uh, seminars. I mean, it just, it changed the directory of my life. I've been on two nonprofit boards and for my family and my kids, I have three adult kids from early 30s into 20s. They got to live their own life. They didn't have to think about, gosh, you know, right, do I have to right. go in the family business and and all that. Uh, so they they were free to pursue their own lives. So in so many ways, I don't know that it was a blessing for everybody else concerned. To be honest, in a lot of ways, it was not. But for me in my own life, yeah, I would have been in this. Yeah, maybe I would have been wealthier, although I'm very comfortable. But it would have been like in this gilded cage, worrying about what other people think of me, other family members, what you know, the, the press, you know, media thought of me. It would have been a miserable existence. Yeah, and it the timing of that episode was you were right in the midst of recording some videos for your book, um, talking about your experience, and you were 
at the start of that, maybe a little reluctant to go to the place where you talked about it as a blessing, something that you appreciated, that you were glad. I mean, not glad happened, but you know what I mean? It was good for you. And then that episode happened and it just, it changed your perspective. And, and, you know, my next question is, how has what Stacy said shaped beyond the crucible? And I think one of the ways that you'll probably touch on is that we've we've been able to offer that same hope to people that you experienced, that she experienced. That's what we're trying to get through here. So, how would you say Stacy's episode, particularly that that quote we played in the clip, how has that shaped what we do here at Beyond the Crucible? That you know, your worst day doesn't have to define you. Life isn't over. When a crucible happens, you know, what's been amazing since is there have been a number of others, many others, maybe in different words, but have expressed blessing or gratitude for what they've been through, whether it's physical crucibles or various other kinds of crucibles. And it's almost like one of the keys to bouncing back from a crucible. Yes, you have to learn the lessons of it. Yes, you have to forgive yourself and forgive others, although that obviously doesn't mean condone. Uh, activity that happened to you. Uh, but as they see a mission that maybe came out, a cause that came out of that crucible, they'll see some blessing in it. They'll be grateful mm -hmm. for the mission and the purpose they have now. Not that they would have wished what happened to them or the mistakes they've made, but you just realize that um, as you come out of a crucible, seeing some blessing in what that enables you to do is a really important way of bouncing back and moving forward. And as we say, having a life, a significance of life on purpose to dedicated to serving others. So seeing a blessing in, in your crucible, as strange as it sounds, it's an extremely helpful, I'd almost say important way to find a way to move forward and get out of the pit, as we often say. Good perspective. We have one more to go. Um, one more moment that underscores the name of this episode, which is moments that moved Warwick and shaped beyond the crucible. And I didn't realize, I, I can't believe I didn't realize this, Warwick. We prepared for this thing. We talked about this episode. And I didn't realize that our third example, our third guest is also Australian. So, <laughs> so uh, of the episodes, that the moments that moved you and shaped beyond the crucible, 67% are from people who are from Australia, which is, I'm sure, coincidental. Um, <laughs> that, that individual uh, of whom I am speaking is Lisa Blair, and she was in episodes 47 and 48. Lisa Blair's story was so interesting folks. And, and here's some behind the scenes stuff that you don't always hear about in the show. As Warwick and I were recording that, it was so interesting and it was going uh, so well that we were like messaging each other behind the scenes while still recording. We're going to make this two episodes. We have to make this two episodes. And we did it. <laughs> we like, we created an ending for the first part of the conversation on the fly and then recorded the second part. So she's episodes 47 and 48. And here's her story and why it's so interesting. Lisa is the fastest person to sail solo, nonstop and unassisted around Antarctica in her yacht, Climate Action. She now holds the world, uh, five world records. On the Antarctic run, she established a new overall speed record as the fastest monohull to sail solo, nonstop and unassisted around Australia. She did it in 58 days. But before she ever stepped foot off of dry land, Lisa Blair was a shy, reserved Australian girl bullied at school. She headed off to university, determined to shed the mask she wore in high school and later learned the importance of viewing failure not as falling short, but as not trying at all. She found her life's calling when a sailing journey with a friend led her to fall in love with the sea. 
and the beauty and adventure it offers. And she said something about herself and her accomplishments that really surprised you, Warwick. I remember uh, it happened like it was yesterday, which is a cliche, but cliches are true. Um, let's take a look and a listen at what Lisa said. It's funny because I had a recent debate with a really good friend of mine the, like a week ago or so around this topic specifically because I said to her, you know, anyone can do what I did. There's zero about me that's unique or special. Like I'm five foot two, I'm not built like an Amazon warrior. I don't have any special skills, except that I'm dedicated and focused. And she said to me, the minute you say that you've lost me. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, the minute you say that you're not different from me, you've lost me. And I was like, well, that's how I feel. And, and she said, the one thing you, that I should be saying, instead of saying that anyone can do it, is that anyone can learn to do it. Mm. because it wasn't something that I woke up and one day could do. It was something I learned to do. And I think that that's an important distinction that I've now taken on as part of my mentality with it all, because I really struggle when people try and put me on a pedestal or try and make me different, because I really honestly don't feel different. Like, I feel like an average, like I've said before, Joe Blow. I'm just your normal person. I've done some absolutely extraordinary things, but they're opportunities that opened because doors, you know, people could see my perseverance and they could see my dedication to what I was trying to achieve. But it wasn't like I woke up one day and said, I'm going to sail around Antarctica. I'm going to become this record setting sailor. It was a series of small events and small learnings and moments in time that, that shaped my values and my beliefs and crucibles and these opportunities, these things that I got past. She called herself after all she had accomplished an average Joe Blow. Why did her comments have such an impact on you? You know, sometimes when we look at people, you know, they're athletic, they're strong, they're talented, they're, you know, genius level Einstein IQs. It's almost like, gosh, if they're not part of the Marvel superheroes universe, they kind of should be. You know, they're that good, right? <laughs> right. They, they're close. Yep. You know, they should audition, you know? Yeah. Um, but what was remarkable about Lisa is, yeah, she calls herself like an average Joe, like a, an every woman, if you will. She said, like, I'm not particularly tall. I'm not particularly athletic. I'm not particularly anything, you know? But yet she's remarkable. So how could somebody so normal, so average from her perspective be uh, so successful? And I think really um, her superpower was her her attitude, her mm -hmm. fearlessness. She just says it so well, yes, obviously she says she's dedicated and focused, which she clearly is. And, you know, she says she didn't wake up one morning and say, let's, you know, sail around the world, sail the Trans-Tasman uh, yacht race, which is between Australia and New Zealand, or sail around Antarctica. It's more, she would just say, "What? what's the next step? You know, okay, maybe... Let's sail the Trans-Tasman, uh, you know, with with a crew. Okay, after that, okay, let's sail around the world. I and mean, each each was a you know small, maybe more than small step. You know, what do I need to learn? Who do I need to chat to? Who can mentor me? It was just this calm, fearless sense of okay, what do I need to learn? And I'm just going to go do it. So it was more her attitude uh, was her superpower and her. Fearlessness. I mean, just as she talked about, you know, when she was going around that uh, Antarctica, at one point her mast breaks off. Well, it's pretty hard to say it without a mast. 
So she had to move off what they call the, the runway, the racetrack you know, below a certain parallel uh, that, to qualify for the record and uh, sail up to Cape Town, South Africa. So she notionally, quote unquote, failed, although she was to go back a few years later and complete it uh, without have, you know, leaving the, uh, the course, so to speak. And her concept of failure is, failure is not trying. If you've given it your all, that's not failure. I mean, that's just right. a, a remarkable attitude. I've often thought about that. So I guess what I learned from uh, Lisa Blair is, um, yes, obviously failure is not trying. If you've tried, that's not f- failure. But just this, her superpower of her attitude, her fearlessness, okay, what's the next step? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to learn? And just to go do it, that's, that is a superpower. And you know, we all have access in that sense, to the superpower. It doesn't depend on where we're born, what we look like, whether we're athletic, right. whether we're intelligent. We all can make the decision, okay, what do I need to learn? Who do I need to talk to? What's the next step? And let's go do it and, and not let fear hold you back. Now, in all honesty, she is at the Olympic level of attitude right. in those areas. I mean, right. that's there's an Olympic level of fearlessness and, you know, go for it and who, who am I going to chat to? And uh, to learn. So um, that's really what's so remarkable about her is somebody that she would think of herself as so unremarkable, but yet is incredibly remarkable. Right. Um, she's definitely, if the Avengers were real, Lisa Blair would be in the Avengers for sure. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to ask you here in just a second how what you learned from her shaped has shaped beyond the crucible. But I'll throw in how it shaped me is she was one of the first guests I can remember talking about small steps. She met, she said it in the clip. You just take little small steps uh, in her perseverance and all the things she had to do to get these world records. Um, and and we started using that language a lot. You in particular started using take one small step. You don't have to eat the whole right. How do you eat, how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time, right? You you take those small steps. So that to me is one of the things that helped shape Beyond the Crucible. From your perspective, how did how did what Lisa taught you, uh, told you, inspired you with, how did that shape what we're doing here at Beyond the Crucible? Yeah, I mean, the battle is often not, gee, how do I o- overcome the crucible like in the sense of physical crucibles? There's only so much you can do. There's only so much range of movement. You know, many people are going to you know get back. Yes, there are consequences, of all crucibles, and some of those consequences don't change in that sense. But what you can um, change, what you can move on from is, you know, how do you choose to learn from that crucible? Are there lessons learned, like in my case with the $2.25 billion takeover, there were lots of lessons I could learn, you know, living somebody else's life, a life of obligation, living a life that wasn't aligned with my gifting and talents and yeah, a lot of a lot of lessons I could learn, and then you know reframe what happened to you. I mean, I think one of the things you say all the time, Gary, is it didn't happen to you; it happened for you. You right. used that phrase many, many times, and it's a profound phrase uh, because it's really uh, taking the Stacy Kopass approach. Is okay. What are the blessings? How can this? What are the blessings that happened uh, from this crucible, and in particular? How can I use what I've been through to help others? One of the things I often say in my own life, as I, for instance, speak to different people about what I went through and lessons learned, when people say, thanks, Warwick, that really helped me, even though their lives couldn't be more different for pretty much everybody I've ever spoken to, 
I've never spoken to another, you know, 150 year old family business heir, if you will, is gone right. through it. It's just not a very relatable uh, crucible. But yet, when they say what you went through and what you shared and your vulnerability and what have you that helped me, there's a drop of grace. There's a drop of, okay, there's purpose to the pain. There's a reason. And so that's part of what helps you see blessings is when you know, you choose to move forward, you choose to reframe, you choose to use what you've been through to help others. That's where the blessing comes is when your pain is used to help others. That's when it's certainly easier to feel gratitude. It's fascinating to to talk just about these three episodes out of 199 before this one that we've done. Um, and just to see the contrail, the moments that we've revisited have left on the show. Those things that we have gone through here, they have definitely stamped beyond the crucible with um, some of the key insights that we offer viewers and listeners when we talk about your worst day doesn't have to define you. Here's how you bounce forward from your crucible. Here's how you live a life of significance. Um, uh, it's it's interesting to go back to, in some cases, to the source material, right? Uh, that's, that's where these three guests uh, have landed. So as we start to wrap up, uh, Warwick, you know, 200 is a nice round number, right? That's that's a good number. It's more than it's more than Seinfeld, right? I said that at the at, at, at the start. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> we could pat ourselves on the back and walk away and say, "Great, 200, way to go." Um, but I know you that that big number is not going to get you to stop. Um, it's a rare number for sure for podcasts. But I know you're not one to rest on your laurels. In a few minutes, when we close this episode, your attention is going to be fully turned to the next 200 episodes. So let me ask you this. From a 30,000-foot level, what are some key learnings that you've had over the course of these 199 episodes that led us here? You know, probably the thing I say more than any other phrase, I would say, is your worst day does not have to define you. I say that often and I believe it with every fiber of my being. There's hope after your crucible. You can bounce back from it, not necessarily some of like the physical consequences of it. You can bounce back from it in the sense of finding purpose in your life, finding blessing, even in you know, the painful crucibles, find a way to serve others, to lead what we call a life of significance. You know, th there's really a lot of um, commonalities in the lessons, learning to forgive yourself and others, but not necessarily condone, you know, dedicating your life to uh, living a life of purpose, serving others. And what's to me remarkable is we've had a very diverse group of guests in age, gender, race, type of crucible, but yet the path back is almost identical. It's just what we've been talking about. It's choosing to learn from it, choosing to forgive, choosing to find purpose in the, in the pain, choosing to find blessing, choosing to lead a life of significance, a life focused on others, dedicated to filling, fulfilling a higher purpose. So, yeah, I mean, it's just remarkable. Despite the differences of people, the path back is the same, and it's really you know, we, we talk about being, being dealers of hope. It gives me hope. Sometimes family members mm -hmm. ask, well, gosh, you know, isn't that depressing, that story? And you would think I would say, well, yes, it really is. 
you know? I mean, we had somebody, uh, you know, uh, recently, Gerard Long, and he lost two of his three um, adult kids. Right. And he's a person of faith, and yet, was that devastating? Of course it was. You, you never get over something like that. I get that. I mean, at least as much as I can. But yet, he still had a sense of, of hope. He and his wife, Jeannie, there was just this sense of, this is awful. Uh, maybe we'll never, this side of heaven, understand the purpose. But yet, he's, he has a sense of empathy. He has a ministry nobody would ever want, you know, being able to understand people have lost their loved ones and, and children. So even in the most devastating of crucibles, you can find hope and purpose. And that's been um, incredibly moving to me, incredibly enriching, and uh, uh, it's just sort of profound, hard-won wisdom that uh, our guests have shared with us. All right. So, Warwick, we've reached the end of the line here. What, as we wrap up, for as we land the plane, as I've said in 200 episodes, probably 177 times, as we land the plane, what do you want to leave, leave listeners, viewers with? as um, we wrap up the celebration of this 200th episode. Crucibles are not easy. They are painful. They're devastating. We don't at all underestimate how difficult that is. And we can't often change the circumstances of what happened, but we can make a choice. And we often say this. We can hide under the covers and say, this was wrong, this is unfair, and have the next 20, 30, 50 years go by and eventually you know, life will end for all of us. Or we can choose to get out of bed and say, this was awful, it was painful. How can I learn from this? How can I move forward? How can I use the pain that I've been through to serve others, to, you know, live a life on purpose dedicated to serving others, a life of significance? We use the word choice a lot on Beyond the Crucible. We typically can't choose to change what happened to us but we can choose how we're going to lead our lives moving forward. Is it going to be a life of hope, a life dedicated to helping others? Or is it going to be a life of grievance and anger and self-destruction? We get to choose which path we go on. And to me, and to us here at Beyond the Crucible, the better choice, the better path, is a life of uh, forgiveness, a life focused on others, a life of blessing of just choosing to think, how can I bless others? And as you try and bless others, you too will be blessed. So that's really the choice we have to make. And the guests on our on this podcast of 200 episodes, they've made that choice to move on, to forgive, to learn, to find hope, to bless others, and in, in that way to find blessing themselves. I've said this not 200 times on the show, but probably more than 100, because I don't think I came up with it until later in the show. But I've been in the communications business long enough to know when the last word's been spoken on a subject and Warwick, you've just spoken it. Well, maybe you haven't, because I have one more thing I'm going to say uh, before we go. Co-host prerogative. I just want to say before we go, with all of our friends here watching and listening, to thank you for trusting me as the co-host of this show to thank you for trusting me with something as important as your vision for a life of significance, for trusting me to help you guide people on their way to their, uh, their true calling. It has been an honor for me. It's been a pleasure 
And it's been one of the most meaningful opportunities I have enjoyed in my now almost 40-year communications career. And I want you to know, Warwick, that I mean what I say at the top of the show on video when I say that you are the founder of Beyond the Crucible, the host of this program, and my friend. Thank you, my friend. It has been, uh, it, as I said, it's been an honor and a pleasure. And I say, let's do it again next week for another 199 episodes after that. Amen. Well, thank you, Gary. And you know, we wouldn't have this podcast uh, without you. It would not be possible. You are the glue, the conductor, the create, uh, the symphony. Uh, I like to think that we have, at least on a, on a better days anyway. So it's been a, a blessing and honor to have you. And, and thank you for being uh, my co-host. It's, um, you know, this wouldn't be possible without what you do and who you are. So thank you. It's, it's really been an honor and a blessing to have you here. Folks, we will see you back next week at this very spot. If you enjoyed this episode, learned something from it, we invite you to engage more deeply with those of us at Beyond the Crucible. Visit our website, beyondthecrucible.com, to explore a plethora of offerings to help you transform what's been broken into breakthrough. A great place to start? Our free online assessment which will help you pinpoint where you are on your journey beyond your crucible and to chart a course forward. See you next week.